Coming up on Golf Today, Davis Love III tabs two major champions to be his assistants at the President's Cup World Golf Hall of Fame member Fred Couples. And next year's Ryder Cup captain Zach Johnson, what will the duo bring to the U.S. team in Charlotte in September? And today marks the 25th anniversary of Tiger's historic 12-shot win at the 1997 Masters. We reflect on the day, its meaning inside and outside the ropes, and how golf was never the same again. And another champion at Augusta hops on to talk about her first LPGA win. It was a major at the Chevron, and she is Jennifer Cutcho. Going to be a good one. It's golf today. Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet. We're announcing today that Zach Johnson, who is next year's Ryder Cup captain, will be assistant captain with me for the President's Cup. And then um, our all-time quarterback captain, um, Fred Couples, will also be assistant captain. And I was assistant captain for him. And we obviously played a lot together. I was going to try to add up to be prepared for this, how many times Fred's been to the President's Cup, but it probably would have taken me a little while. I'm very excited to have those two guys, and they add a lot, obviously, to our team, and um, they're trusted by the players. So excited to get going on it. And there you have it, Davis Love III, adding two familiar names to be assistant captains for the President's Cup. Fred Couples, assistant for the fourth time, undefeated as the captain, 09, 11, and 13, four times a player, Ryder Cup experience, easygoing demeanor, everybody's favorite uncle with the smooth style, forever young. And Zach Johnson, assistant captain for a second time, four times President's Cup player, all victorious U.S. teams. Ryder Cup experience, too, and, of course, the 2023 Ryder Cup captain, salt-of-the-earth kind of guy, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, strong. And a good Wednesday to you, Damon Hack, alongside the great Jaime <laughs> Diaz. Another day, more news in the game of golf. Your reaction to Freddie and Zach being tabbed as assistants for DL3? Very sensible, very safe. Continuity. Safe. You know, nothing wrong with it. I mean, nothing's broken right now. You don't have to fix it. And I think they're both really good friends of Davis. The chemistry will be good. The players know him well. Freddie is very soothing to younger players. They all love him. And uh, I think he's a guy who's a stress breaker. I think for, uh, for Zach, you know, another good warm-up for the Ryder Cup. Just get closer to these guys. It's all about relationships. And I think this is fostering and perpetuating some old relationships. Uh, but that's not a bad thing. Any part of you a little bit like, you kind of you shake things up a little bit here. Now, <laughs> I know the task force was about continuity and making sure that, you know, the continuity was good and the communication, everybody on the same page. But why not Alan Braddon at Oklahoma State or Missy Farquay at ASU? You know, mix it up a little bit. Brant Snedeker, Hale Irwin, sure. Lanny Watkins. I mean, just... Maybe one or two different names. This feels very, very safe. I'm not going to say vanilla, but I'm close to saying <laughs> vanilla, Jaime. Well, <laughs> I, th I think the thing is uh, they haven't lost. Okay. You know? Yeah. I mean, they did lose in France, but, you know, they, they came back with something you know, much stronger Yeah. At, at Whistling Straits. And I just feel like the task force isn't that old. Mm. It's still being proven, and they're still trying to, you know, really nail down this system and, and take advantage of it if they feel like it's, it's a winning combination. Uh, so unless there's a little bit of uh, bobble in that and, and, and some crisis, I don't think you'll see a lot of change. Uh, but I agree, it is kind of a closed shop. Uh, but 
It's a very exclusive club in the first place, just to get on the Ryder Cup or the President's Cup. Does the fraternity need some new pledges? <laughs> I mean, what do you think? Maybe I, I, just, just a, a, one or two different names. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't okay. bother me that this is something uh, that is working and they're staying with it because, again, it's a small circle anyway. I mean, you could expand it, but only be one at a time. It wouldn't be like there'd be a lot of variety. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be wholesale changes. I just think until it's proven that it's not really uh, working, Stay with it. I just wonder if the, with the President's Cup, how I think the competition is getting closer and closer. You know, if you're if you're not running full speed, if you're yeah. not moving ahead, you're going to get caught. You know, if, if, I, I if objects in the mirror are closer than <laughs> they appear. And this feels to me a little bit like resting on your laurels, just a little bit. Very safe. Very. I pick up the, the rundown today and I'm like, this is not a surprise at all. This is... I just think maybe just a little bit of a massage, something different. Well, the other argument it is it's getting better. They're getting better at what they're doing. Okay. You know, it's more refined. Uh, little mistakes that were made get uh, eliminated, and suddenly you've got a more clean running machine. Yeah. So I think there's both arguments, but again, I think it's about wins and losses. If, yep. if the U.S. started to look like they were actually performing poorly, yeah. and there were some complaint, complaints from players about relationships, things like that, there would be some change. But I think it's a happy family right yeah. now. There is mm -hmm. comfort and familiarity yeah. in that group. Captain Davis Love III has the option, by the way, to name up to two more assistant captains prior to the competition. The President's Cup returns back to the States this year. Quail Hollow Club will play host to both the U.S. and international squads. Competition kicks off September 22nd. Take a look at the U.S. rankings at this point. Obviously, you know, it's going to be six that qualify and then six captain's picks goes all the way through that BMW championship some new names possibly maybe a little Taylor Gooch maybe a little Tom Hoagie I'm a big Tom Hoagie fan okay you know I know he's got a name that's sort of uh, nondescript and uh, he's a very understated guy but he's got a heck of a game and it's really it's you could see him pairing very easily with mm. anyone he's such a good ball striker he's not the greatest putter but you know in a best ball situation yeah uh, that that weakness would be somewhat uh, uh, you know kind of uh, neutralized yeah I don't know. I, I, you know, if he's earned it, I'm all, I'm, I'm all yeah. for just getting the best players out there uh, and let the, let the captains deal with the chemistry. Right, mm -hmm. right. I'll tell you what, how about this international squad? And we talk about how much closer that gap seems to be. The international team trying to get off the Schneid camp. Smith, you see, leading this list. Hideki, Sungjae, Joaquin, Neiman. This is quality, quality on this squad. Quality, not as deep, but, you know, those first six, first eight, very strong. And uh, they're getting closer. Mm. I I'm looking forward to a closer match. And, you know, the U.S. will have, you know, the advantage being at home. But the President's Cup, I think, over the long term, we'll, you'll see the biggest jump in improvement um, among all the teams in the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup yeah. among the international President's Cup team because it's global. The game's getting more global. You're getting more young players from, from places that were maybe a little unlikely. And, you know, there's just definitely so much talent out there that is now being drawn to golf. And now you got a global pool to pull from. I think the President's Cup has the most potential to grow on the international side. Eight players to qualify, then Trevor Immelman with four captain's picks also qualifying through that BMW championship. Now, speaking of Cam Smith, not the ending to Masters Week that the players champ was hoping for, that triple bogey on 12, ending his chances of a major breakthrough. Smith ultimately finishing the Masters in a tie for third at five under par. Cam looking for a bounce back this week as he tees it up on Hilton Head. He met with the media earlier today. Yeah, it was a it was a really good week. Um, another really solid week. Um, 
yeah, felt really, uh, I guess, comfortable last week, and it was nice to kind of be in contention on Sunday. To, to not quite get it done was um, perhaps a little bit frustrating, but you know, Scotty played some pretty good golf there towards the end, so um, hats off to him. But yeah, just a couple of days rest for me after I haven't touched a golf club since uh, playing the Pro-Am this morning, and I'll rest again this afternoon. I don't think I was down in the dumps. Um, I was just uh, just frustrated. Um, I feel as though um, you know I was one really good swing away from really contending, um, and that's just how golf is, especially around that golf course. I feel as though sometimes you can even hit really good golf shots and um, end up making bogeys and doubles around there. So yeah, just just a little bit frustrated. Um, my game's in a good spot. Um, I'm happy uh, with how I, uh, I guess, handled the situation after, and um, yeah, I'm just really looking forward to competing again this week. Uh, that's kind of in the rearview mirror now. It's obviously a little bit of a different feeling, I think, with the atmosphere, especially Augusta. Um, you hear so many roars and um, cheers for other guys, and you almost figure out in your own head what's going on without actually seeing it. Um, but I've, I think I've always been uh, pretty good at just really focusing on myself. Um, one shot at a time, um, really trying to play the right shot, um, not trying to play the shot that the circumstance really calls for. Um, I think that's a big part of um, winning tournament golf is just playing the right shot, not trying to play the situation, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, just really trust in the game and... Um, yeah, the game feels good. It just wasn't my week last week. Yeah, I try not to um, put too much expectation on myself, typically. Um, I'm more of a process kind of person. Um, I'll get out there today and just try and tick a few boxes that perhaps we missed at the end of last week or, or this week, at the start of this week. Um, yeah, so just really go out there, uh, free up in the Pro-Am. Uh, Pro-Am's always a nice way to start the week. and. Um, just try and have some fun with it. It's been a fantastic season for Cam Smith, currently fifth in the official world golf ranking. Everybody chasing the world number one and Masters champ Scotty Scheffler. So it's time for a buy or sell, a little game on this Wednesday. We're going to welcome in Paige McKenzie. Are you buying or selling Cam Smith, currently the biggest threat to this top spot in the world? Ooh. I'm selling this, and don't get me wrong, I'm a big fan of Cam Smith. He was actually my pick to win last week, mm. uh, so I've been very much interested in what he's been doing, but I'm actually thinking that if there's going to be a player that challenges, I'm going to tip my hat to uh, Victor Hovland. And I'll tell you why. Number one, it has a little bit to do with the numbers. Uh, when you look at the world ranking and how the events fall off and then what events are ahead, I'm looking at realizing his next 14 events that fall off, he only had one top 10. So there's not a lot of points he's going to be losing over the next few weeks. But coming up, we also have to pay attention to the next major championship. That's the PGA Championship, which is in his adopted American mm. home of Oklahoma. So I am keeping an eye on Victor Hovland as it relates to Southern Hills. This is a place that he played in college 2018, a Big 12 championship where he was leading after the first round, ultimately finished seventh. So I'm keeping my eye on him for a lot of reasons. 
But I think primarily when I think about his game, I'm seeing gains in certain areas that are important. We know he's a good ball striker. In the last three seasons, he's never finished outside the top 17 in strokes gained off the tee or strokes gained approach. So he's a tremendous ball striker. One area of improvement that I have seen, though, is the strokes gained putting. You need this good combination if you want to compete in the biggest championships, and he's gotten significantly better. He went from 115th on the PGA Tour in 2020, 99th last season, and currently he's 52nd. Uh, when you look at the strokes gained, his actual strokes gained is a third of a stroke over the course of the last two seasons each round. And to me, that adds up to over a stroke a tournament for Victor Hovland. So I think a player that's already been successful, already played well, still has room to move up in the world ranking. Fantastic breakdown. I love you bringing up Oklahoma. He played that difficult Karsten Creek. Yeah, that's harder than Southern Stillwater. Hills. The wind <laughs> is harder than Southern Hills. Just yeah. ask the freshmen when they see that yeah. Yeah. golf course for the first time. How about for you? you buy, is it Hovland for you too? No, it isn't. But okay. it's. Uh, but I'm a big fan, just like Paige, of yep. Pam Smith. And, you know, he's, to me, uh, the best putter among the top five in, mm. in the world right now. And he's probably on the steepest climb of improvement. And, you know, he's strengthened his body. He's gotten to be a better Looks iron good. player. He's a little longer off the yeah. tee. Very strong mentally. That was a great performance at the Masters. Sure, some frustration, as he said. But in the long term, definitely a big step forward. However, um, for me, John Rahm is still a guy uh, who I think will reassess and maybe had a little bit of a wake-up call at the, at the Masters. Mm. I don't know exactly what he wants to bring in terms of improvement. Obviously, his short game and his putting stats are down. But I just feel like he's got a lot of pent-up you know, improvement ahead of him because he's been through a little bit of a, of a, of a fallow period here. Yeah. And, and you know, I just feel like he's probably thought about it a lot. And he's going to, after the Masters now, you know, time to, time to kind of you know, just calm down and look. What do I need to do? And I still think he's got the most game of anybody as long as he's putting hand and chipping decently. Seems unhappy the last month yeah, or so. I think he's frustrated, yeah. and I think he'll learn, you know, that that's probably counterproductive mm. to, to be unhappy. I mean, sure, it's game's frustrating, but you have to power through it and stay positive. And, you know, these are all very amorphous kind of feelings yeah. that, that all players have to manage personally. But I just feel like he's a champion, and he's going to address what needs to be uh, improved. And I, I don't think anything's really fallen off, except perhaps he was pressing this year to be number one, to maybe stretch it out somewhere, to get that major. And now I think he can relax and be a little bit more realistic about what's possible week to week. Just keep playing well. And when that major comes again, he'll be in a better frame than he was in, at the Masters. I left Kohler, Wisconsin, thinking he was the best player in the world, and it wasn't even close, mm -hmm. even though he lost to Scotty Scheffler in that Sunday singles. I'm surprised neither of you took Kyle Morikawa, who's well, the number two player you know. in the world. And look at his major championship record. That's the reason, one reason why I'm picking Colin. He plays so well in the majors where the official World Golf ranking points are most available. He's played in nine majors. He's finished in the top ten five times with two wins. He has the game that travels. He learns golf courses so quickly. Strokes gained total 15th. Strokes gained putting Jaime 31st. Yeah, yeah, that was supposed to be a weakness. Yeah. It's becoming a strength. Yeah, Colin is, you know, so impressive. I mean, there's no wrong choice here. Okay, you know, okay, fair. Buying yeah. or selling, except I'm selling on Cam being the, yeah. the biggest threat. I think, you know, Victor, the only thing about him is the short game, and that's the answer that he's got to provide yeah. going down the road here. But, uh Colin, the only thing probably in terms of being number one is the length it requires to be week to week, you know, one of the favorites. Do you think but he learned from the hero? He had a chance to be number one 
in the world. I'm thinking much like a lot of players when they first have that opportunity. We've seen I mean, Justin Thomas wobbled the first opportunity he had to become the best player in the world. It's kind of tribute to the importance of number one, how, how important, how the players really, you know, aspire to do that yeah. and probably press a little the first time they get a chance for it because it is historic to be number one, which I think is great for the game because I think it provides incentive to, to be the best mm. because there is actually a, you know, a quantitative measure of who the best is. People can argue with the world golf ranking, but I think it's proven itself to be, you know, quite accurate and more and more accurate as they refine it. So I think Colin has every chance to be that and certainly at majors, he probably has an advantage over all five of these guys in terms of keeping it in the fairway, playing point-to-point golf, and being really solid. So, you know, it, it just, uh, I think week-to-week week for me, John Rahm's still the best, and he has yet to play his best this year, and I think he's due. Had hole number 12 not happened in the way it did for Cam, might you have had a different answer? Any concern about the hangover? I don't think there's a hangover from 12. I think there's a hangover from the third hole. Okay. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I, and I don't, you know, I haven't heard him address it specifically, yeah. but to me that was an opening and he didn't take it and it wasn't like him, yeah. especially with a wedge in his hand. And that's where it kind of got away and gave Scotty obviously that opportunity, that incredible shot, but also to kind of get his, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, his solid base under mm-hmm. him again mm-hmm. and, and play a pretty good round. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From that point. Oh, the views on Hilton Head Island can bring peace to any golfer or fan. Downshift after the stresses of a major and get into the sweet vibe along the Calabogie Sound. That's where some of the best players in the world will be taking on Harbortown Golf Links for the RBC Heritage this week. First round coverage gets underway tomorrow, 3 p.m. Eastern, right here on Golf. Put on a James Taylor song, watch the sunset, and watch some golf. A lot of the best players in the world decided to make the trip. From Augusta to Hilton Head, you see Justin Thomas, Cam Smith, Jordan Spieth, Corey Connors, Colin Morikawa, DJ Shane Lowry, and Sung J M as well, with more and a couple of those big-time names on that board. Let's welcome in Kira K. Dixon from Harbortown. Good afternoon. 
Good afternoon, Damon. You mentioned Dustin Johnson in that list. He made the three-hour drive from Augusta National to Hilton Head. And like you said, there are some nice vibes here, which can serve as kind of a balm for the grind that can be Augusta National. I caught up with Dustin earlier to get his take on the week and how he's looking at RBC Heritage. Obviously, the conditions were tough. You know, the course played difficult. Um, you know, I felt like I competed really well. Didn't really have my, my best stuff. But, you know, played and got it around nicely. Um, you know, just for me, I just struggled with driving a little bit. You know, got in too much trouble. You know, if you, you got to hit the fairways there. Um, and I didn't hit enough fairways. Granted, then you can't hit enough greens. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I felt like I was scrambling a lot during the week. But, you know, still obviously a solid week. I felt like the game's, you know, coming into good form. You know, it's getting a lot more consistent. And, you know, as soon as I can start driving it just a little bit better, which I feel like, you know, worked on a little bit yesterday, today, and it's getting better. Mm -hmm. So, you know, once I, once I get a lot more comfortable, you know, driving it well, then, Obviously, the game's going to be back to, you know, where I can compete every week. As we shift to the RBC Heritage, how would you compare the golf course at Augusta National to what we have here at Harbortown? Um, definitely a different golf course, mm -hmm. but I really like this course. It's in good shape. Um, you know, it plays difficult. You know, you, you shoot a couple under each day. You know, you know, going into Sunday, you're going to have a chance. Um, you have a chance to win. So. I do like that. You gotta, you know, it's another golf course, so you really have to, you gotta place your ball in the fairways, you know, correct sides, and then, you know, really small greens. So um, it's a place I enjoy playing. Obviously, RBC does a great job this week, and you know, putting on a great event, and it's something that I look forward to playing to. Obviously, in my home state. Damon, you heard Dustin there mention that he's made some driver changes, and he's got a new driver in the bag this week, which essentially all um, is all his same specs. But prior to the final round at the Masters, he made a change where on the driver club head, he moved the weight uh, up to the toe to allow him to achieve that left-to-right ball flight that he's working towards. And he's also made a change to have the club head rest flatter on the ground, which again helps him achieve that left-to-right ball, ball flight which continues uh, in his ability to have confidence out here on the golf course. Now, someone who's also working through a few things is Justin Thomas. He's coming off that tied for eight finish at the Masters. I caught up with him earlier today, and here are his takeaways on the week. Yeah, I mean, it was a good week. I got off to a terrible start uh, on Thursday, and I feel like I fought my way back as much as I could. Um, it, it was weird. I mean, I knew I didn't realistically have a chance going into Sunday, but you know, being the third to last group at the Masters or any major, you know, usually you're you're right there and within striking distance. So, I mean, I felt like I, I still was right there. Didn't have a great Sunday, but uh, way more positives uh, to take off the negatives. Mm -hmm. uh, looking ahead to this week, this hasn't traditionally been something that's on your schedule. Mm -hmm. So now that you're playing two weeks in a row, especially after mm -hmm. a grueling week last week, how are you managing your energy and just keeping yourself fresh going into the tournament? Yeah, I'm trying to make sure my energy levels uh, are up first before probably where I would like my golf game. I mean, w my level of practice Monday, Tuesday, and now today are not even remotely close to where they'd normally be. But I, I feel like I'm like one sleep away from being where I need to be. I'm not going to lie. I was kind of hoping for a late early tea time this week, but it is what it is. Um, and I mean, around this place, you can just kind of plot your way around, you know, you just definitely need to step up and hit some shots here and there. But I feel like if I'm not hitting it as well um, as I could, if I can just kind of manage and miss it in the right spots and then um, 
you know, take advantage of some opportunities when we have them. I, I should be right there come Sunday. How would you describe this course overall? I love it. I absolutely love it. I, I wish I could play it every year. It's I think it's a it's one of the best stops, one of the best courses we play on tour. It's just scheduling makes it difficult after Augusta, but it's um I don't know how I would describe it. I mean it's 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 fun. It's I wouldn't say quirky because I, I use that negatively I would say when describing courses and I, I don't feel that way about here. You just you have to be smart. You have to uh manage your manage your game, manage your emotions and uh just take it for what it is. Awesome. Best of luck this yeah. week. Thank you. Uh, David, just going back to the Masters for a second, there were a few photos that we saw come out of the Masters tournament of Coach Nick Saban, who was on hand at Augusta National supporting Justin Thomas. Justin told me that he didn't get a big chance to really spend a lot of time with Coach, but he did walk a few holes with Justin's dad, Mr. Thomas. And, you know, other than a, a wave and a hello, they, uh, they were able to also share a few text messages, which Justin says was pretty funny because he, it, he told me that Coach does not text. So to get a text from him is a big deal. He wished him uh, good luck at the Masters, and I'm sure Justin is hoping that that good luck from Coach continues on into this week. Love Akira K opening up the notebook at the RBC Heritage. A couple great conversations with two former <laughs> world number ones. JT gets his first round started tomorrow with Jordan Spieth and Shane Lowry. As he mentioned, wish he had that early late tea time. Going to be an early one, 8:38 a.m. Eastern alongside a couple of major champs. Let's talk about JT for a moment. Welcome back, Paige McKenzie. Paige, I see a golfer looking for the flow state. He's so ambitious and has mm. so many goals in this game, but it just doesn't seem effortless right now. It just seems to me that JT is trying too hard. What do you see? see a piecemeal Justin Thomas. I feel like we've seen moments of brilliance in his long game. We've seen moments of brilliance with his putting. If you look at last week, for example, uh, he actually was one of the best in the field on the putting surfaces. He was ranked best in putts per green and regulation, or excuse me, per green, uh, and was one of the best putting performances that he's had this season. But he also missed so many greens the first and last round, only hit six greens the first round and only hit eight greens the last round. So the ball striking wasn't there. But typically, what Justin Thomas is known for is ball striking, is the shot making. If you go back to the players this year, you know how windy it was in the second round on that Saturday. And Justin Thomas posted a brilliant three under par. He knows how to hit it all, whether it's a high fade that just floats in the air with the buttercut, Damon, that I know you like. Mm or whether you've got to take into consideration the conditions and you need to hit a driving iron shot. That's something that Justin Thomas can do as well. So if you look at his game and you look at who he is as a player, he's had all of the components so far this season. He's had the good ball striking. He's had the good putting weeks. It just hasn't come together for whatever reason. I don't know. Players have their moments where, whether it's distraction, whether it's too much pressing, uh, but it hasn't quite come all together for Justin Thomas, but that's what I've seen out of him so far this season. There was so much buzz about JT before yeah. the Masters, from Brandle to the bookmakers, and he goes out, he bogeys one. Very first day, bogeys six, bogeys nine, 10, 16, and 18. Shoots 76, yeah. a player who didn't look like he had 76 in his bag, the way he'd been playing. He seemed to be trending toward the Masters. What's going on with JT? Again, like Paige said, players have their moments. It's, it's a mystery still, this game, in so many ways. But yeah. I think if I'm just speculating, it is he's 
pressing for majors. Okay. He feels like he's only had one. He's got 14 career victories. You know, he's a better player in his mind, I'm sure, uh, than to just have one major at this time. But I think mentally he's probably putting too many of his eggs in one basket, you know, because mm. then it becomes disappointing and it has kind of a, a ripple effect when you come out of the major disappointed. And ever since he won the players, he hasn't won. And the players was certainly looked like it was going to catapult him towards something. And perhaps he thought, okay, this is my year to really get the biggest tournaments. And didn't happen. He was very disappointed with last year. And now I think he's got to figure out, you know, how am I actually going to be the best player week to week? And I think just just play and win tournaments. Yeah. You know, and whatever that process is, which it involves making putts. I mean, he's not the best putter. He's 99th right now. He's usually in the hundreds when it comes to strokes gain putting. And right now, you know, he's second strokes gain tee to green. So that's always been his strength. Get a little better at putting. I think a Nick Price, you know, was a ball striker supreme, didn't win very much. Improved his putting with Bob Bertel and other people. Suddenly wins three majors, number one in the world. Yeah. It can flip very quickly with just a little bit of improvement with the putter. Uh, he's not a bad putter, but he's got to get a little better if he's going to be best in the world and win majors. And I think it's almost as simple as that. Uh, and again, keep your attitude positive. Take the long view. Be patient. All those things you know, that are hard for a young guy, 28 years old, with so much talent and who's wound tight, yeah. who wants it real bad. Well, that's the thing. And mm -hmm. Paige, we've talked about it through the years. I mean, he would show up his phone to all of us at the Tour Championship with all those goals. And it, early in his career, there were a lot more green, you know, mark check marks. And now there's something <laughs> more red X, you know, red X's, you know, not getting the major, not winning multiple times in a season, not winning the Varden. Are those goals becoming kind of a burden as opposed to fuel? Two things. One, I wonder if the goals have changed. Golf, as we know, never gets easier. Your expectations just get higher. So I'd be interested to actually go back and see how many of those goals have changed to make it that much more difficult to attain. The second thing is, yes, he let us in, and yes, he's giving us this information of goals that he's had. But, you know, Tiger Woods all used, also used to grade his rounds, whether it was A, B game, or his C game, and he no longer does that. Uh, so Justin Thomas might very well shut the door on letting us in if he's not reaching the goals the way that he was in the beginning. How about Tiger? And I'm glad you mentioned Tiger. The fact that he's like the mentor now, yeah. the whisperer for JT. Tiger's one of the two greatest players of all time, and JT is the kid brother, yeah. as Tiger calls him. Is that in some ways added pressure. Yeah, it's sort of the inverse of the advantage of it, okay. which is, you know, he's the protege, so he must have, you know, this special knowledge, the secret. And, you know, if, if people presume that and he feels he's got to deliver on that expectation, that's that's an extra burden. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think he wouldn't trade it. I mean, I think he loves that he has that relationship with Tiger. But managing it in a public way is a little difficult because Tiger just has so much influence and so much weight to anything yeah. that he finds, you know, um, uh, approval for mm. and and JT is the guy that he seems to whose game he seems to like the most probably the most like Tigers in terms of yeah. working the ball around having a lot of shots being well-rounded the putter's the only big difference and I think too you know Bones being on his bag now Bones being the supreme caddy that yeah, also supposed to be oh hey well you won three green jackets with Phil I mean JT's in the middle of that 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 maelstrom on Sunday and Monday alongside Tiger and yeah. Fred Couples, and now you got Bones on the back. Well, <laughs> oh, he's going to win the, the Masters. He's got the knowledge. He's got the caddy. He's got Tiger. He's got Fred. Yeah. And it just, 76, it was just too much to overcome. You just got to shut out the public perceptions. I mean, as yeah. much as that sometimes makes people in the media frustrated, this guy yeah. didn't say anything, the less you say, sometimes yeah. the stronger you are mentally. And I think Tiger proved that. It's more about the performance. It's more about what you deliver. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, 
he's he's got he's become more affable with the media, which I think yeah. is very nice. But at the same time, you know, he's got to think about himself and keeping that, you know, that hard, you know, kind of motivation in inward as opposed yeah. to outward. Because once it starts to leak away in in whether whether it's outward frustration, you lose some energy. Yeah, you lose some focus, and so. Think of yourself first. Be selfish. It's a selfish game. Got lofty goals. Just don't want those goals to become a burden. Do you think all of the tension page with the couples woods, you know, practice grouping and bones on the bag, it just seems like, you know, it's a lot, even for a young player who's got a major championship and has been number one and a FedEx Cup winner, it just seems like it's just a lot going on. I, I would think going into majors, you want things simple and quiet. <laughs> Uh, yes and no. I, I mean, I think it's a lot. And certainly if you have self-doubt, there can be an imposter syndrome when you're surrounding yourself by the quality of people that he is. But at the same time, Justin Thomas is the same guy that was, was it him or Tiger that yelled out, I love me some me yes, JT. in the middle of the President's Cup? That's the, that's the Justin Thomas that he can be on the golf course. That's the killer that he can be inside the ropes. That is who Bone saw when he, he got that sample, when he filled in for Jimmy Johnson uh, a couple of years ago. And, and I remember talking to Bones about it. And then he said he just loved the look in his eye when it, he came down the stretch. That's the Justin Thomas that we just need to see. I don't know what it is it's going to take to get over the edge, whether it's just being in contention a little bit closer to the, the lead come Sunday. But that's who he is. That's who he is as a golfer, and that's why he's attracted Tiger Woods. That's why he's attracted Fred Couples, uh, these people around him uh, that I think support and see that in him. Yeah, he sees uh, a lot of the best players of all time yeah. in his corner, and obviously he has to see that in himself as well. I love the lofty goals. You just don't want them to become a, a, a burden for him. He's not able to work his way out of it. Well, just to keep him internal, that's all. I yeah. mean, as Paige was saying, expectation grows as you get better. And yeah. expectations in golf are tend to be uh, counterproductive. Yeah. You know, you have to keep them inward. Yeah. Um, doesn't make people as the most verbal sometimes, but uh, I mean, gosh. Ben Hogan, Tiger Woods, didn't say much. Yeah. <laughs> Got a lot done. It just went about <laughs> their business, breaking yeah. everybody else's hearts yeah. on Sundays on the PGA Tour. Hopefully a good week for JT as things calm. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Is this house a good price compared to others in the area? Are prices going up or down? If I don't make an offer right this very moment, will I miss my chance? These are just some of the questions a home buyer might ask. And these are the sorts of questions an agent who is a Realtor can help answer. Because Realtors have the expertise, data, and access to specialty training to help you navigate the process of buying a home. They provide support, guidance, and have your back every step of the way. That's what Realtors do, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Down. Back on golf today, reigning FedEx Cup champ Patrick Cantlay not in the mix at last week's Masters after making the cut of 79 in the third round derailed Cantlay's chances for a first major. Did rebound in the final round, shooting a 71, leaving the 30-year-old UCLA Bruin in a tie for 39th after impressive run of six straight top 10 finishes. Hasn't continued that form in his last four starts this season, 146th in strokes gained approach hoping to turn things around this week at the RBC Heritage it is time for Cantlay to meet the press yeah I thought last week was really difficult um, definitely the hardest uh, masters I had seen um, in all the tournaments that I played there and um, you know this week will be obviously a different field totally different golf course a different test um, but I think it's really important to stay fresh and not live in the past and live in the right here and now. And so all my efforts are focused here uh, this week. Anything else, Patrick? Ron, you have another one? When you came out on tour, looking at the world rankings, there are three guys in the top four, 25 or younger. When you came out, what kind of mindset did you have? Did you feel like there was a break-in period or get my feet wet period that maybe some of these guys seem to at least maybe leapfrog a little bit? <laughs> um, I feel like that trend's been going on for a little while. We saw it probably really start to take shape when Jordan played well uh, in 2015, 2016. He really played extremely, extremely well and he was young at the time, probably 25, 24 years old. Um, and you know, that's a trend we've continued to see, that the best players in the world in the past, they used to be over 30, and now they seem to be around 30 or a little younger. Um, that doesn't surprise me with uh, all the technology and, and more availability of good coaching and good uh, feedback to younger players. I mention all the time to friends of mine, when I was in high school, I had no sense of how much my ball was spinning, how to hit the driver further not realizing that spin was probably spin and launch were the most important things to hitting the golf ball far. I just had a feeling that if I swung harder, it would go farther, but that's not necessarily the case. And so there's kids that are, you know, growing up with TrackMan from 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old. And so by the time they're 16, 17, and they're developing into really good junior players, they're dialed in on all of that stuff. And they've been working on launching it at 2,000 spin at you know 13 or 14 to get it to go as far as possible. And so the young guys, when they come out now, I don't want to say have an advantage, but you can definitely see that they play a different game. They swing harder, they hit it high at straight, and they go for almost every flag stick. And I would say when I was growing up, it was slightly different. It was maybe there were some guys that were on that model, but a lot of guys were play to the edge of the dog leg, old school, you know, like when DL3 won here five times, play to the edge of the dog leg, play to the center of the green, put up the hill to the corners. Um, so I would say that's been the biggest difference and what I would attribute to maybe a younger generation playing better, quicker. And Cantley will get his week going tomorrow, 8.27 a.m. Eastern, playing the first two rounds alongside Kevin Kisner and Billy Horschel. 
as well. And some breaking news today surrounding 2020 U.S. Open champion Bryson DeChambeau. Golf Channel has confirmed that DeChambeau, who has battled injuries in 2022, will undergo surgery on Thursday for the fractured bone in his left hand. You'll recall during his Monday press conference at the Masters, Bryson said his doctors recommended that I don't come back for a while. They said if you go out and hit golf balls and you feel somewhat comfortable, you consider it. And they're like, you should really let it heal. For more on this breaking news, welcome in Rex Hoggard. Rex, what can you tell us about this story involving Bryson? Yeah, Damon, a member of Bryson's camp confirmed that he is going to have surgery later this week. He wasn't 100% sure if it was going to be Thursday. So it will be sometime later this week. Now, this stems from the injury he sustained. He talked about this at the Masters last week. When he was playing in the Saudi International back in February, he was playing ping pong, fell down, braced himself with his left hand, and broke his handmate bone, which is about right there. And it's a common injury for baseball players, and we've seen it from time to time with golfers. But it's been complicated by the idea. We all know how much force he has when he swings. So this is something that had been bothering him ever since he came back. His first event back was the WGC match play just a few weeks ago. He didn't make it out of pool play there, and then he missed the cut in his last two starts. And he said he was only about 80%, and this was something that he felt like he had to do moving forward. Now, the interesting thing here, I did talk to one tour trainer. He said the normal recovery period on an injury like this is around six weeks. But for someone that swings a golf club with that much velocity, you start getting into the 10-week period and suddenly the majors start coming into play. The PGA Championship is five weeks away from right now and then of course you get to the U.S. Open which he would of course want to play and so all of these things are going to depend on how well the surgery goes but right now we have confirmed he's having surgery. Rex Hogger, senior writer with GolfChannel.com with the breaking news. Bryson DeChambeau to have surgery on that injured left hand. I turn to my colleague Jaime Diaz. Jaime, uh, this is a, a, a bit of a surprise perhaps or not. I mean, this is someone who's been trying to play through some injury, through some pain, early back when he changed his body. If there was a concern, it was about what it would do, the forces, the swing speeds, and now this news. Well, I'm surprised that he got hurt in the first place, although we don't know how much the ping-pong injury was actually the cause. But if it was golf, I'm surprised because all along, he knew he was going to extreme territories here physiologically, whether yeah. it was his body or his hands. Every part of him was going to be taken to a force level that no one probably who's ever played tournament golf has ever taken. So it was inherently dangerous, but I thought, you know, he was taking precautions. He's the smart guy about science and, and uh, the biology and physiology and everything else and still got hurt. So I think, you know, that says that he was maybe a little haphazard about this, which is too bad because he's got so much talent. And, you know, if his goal is to be the greatest golfer, uh, you don't mess around with your hands. And then secondly, I was surprised that he played at all at the match play. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you're going to talk about your hand, that is, that's the most important part of a golfer's body. Uh, and, you know, we've seen great players. John Cook, you know, had a hammock injury and it, it, it hammock bone injury. It took a long time, a couple of surgeries to get it right. It sometimes can be complicated. So let's hope for the best. And 10 weeks, whatever it takes, be conservative with it. Make sure it's you know, healed completely so you can do what you want to do with the golf club and you're not compromising because that's what he was talking about. Well, I'll go 80%. No, it's got to be 100% healed yeah. and you don't mess around with your hands. It's a loss for the game. He's a big mm -hmm. personality. The way he hits the golf ball, uh, I think he sometimes, you know, says interesting things or maybe the wrong things sometimes. He loves the game. He loves finding different ways yeah. to go about mm -hmm. winning on the PGA Tour. Do you think that this is a moment in time where he and Chris Como and Mike Shy and his team 
we'll have to take a second look at the body change, at the swing speeds that they've been creating and saying, you know what, maybe for the long-term health of Bryson, this is not the route we can continue to go down. Very possibly. I think if he's right, he can still swing hard. But I think also there's been diminishing returns on the driver. I mean, mm. it's great that he got longer and the analytics show that he had an advantage, but it's been diminishing returns in terms of the rest of his game not necessarily progressing and keeping up. When you're hitting the ball that far and you're hopefully in the fairway, you want to have a great wedge game, and he doesn't. And I think it's time to turn his attention to those other shots and the rest of the bag, much like what Dustin Johnson did. Yeah. Dustin Johnson is a supreme driver, not as long as Bryson, but relative to the rest of the tour, very, very long. And he didn't get great until he focused on his wedges. And I, I think Bryson should start talking about and thinking about and, and focusing on the rest of the bag, the scoring area. How do you shoot the lowest score? That's the final you know, goal. And maybe goal. focusing on the PGA Tour. He's so additive to the professional game, is, is he trying to have it all with the dabbling with the, the world long drive game? The long drive was a, a fun thing because it was demonstrating what he had learned. Sure. You know, and kind of stretching the boundaries of the game and in a very vivid way. Yeah. And learning from Kyle Berkshire and those guys to do something that he was going to yeah. take into tournament golf. So that was fine. But to actually be a long drive exhibition guy, no. Yeah. That, then I think the priority is off. The priority should be on the performance on the golf course. The other thing is just to show people what's possible. Yeah. But not to be some kind of long drive champion or just gain a lot of attention for it. I mean, yeah. at this point, the attention should be from playing the best golf he yeah. can. That's always, to me, the, when someone's gifted like Bryson, put it into the performance. You don't have to talk about it. It speaks for itself. I always bring up Tiger. He's the model of that. Yeah. Let the clubs do the talking. He was a marvel to watch in 2020 at Wingfoot, and it's a bummer that he's hurt. It's we wish bummer. him a speedy recovery. I'm sorry for him, and I just hope the best for yeah. him. Yeah, hope to see him back later this summer. Speaking of Tiger, we have a special anniversary in the game today. We celebrate 25 years since Tiger's record-breaking 12-shot win at the Masters. More on how this win changed the game when Golf Today returns. on golf today this date in golf history one that many will recall 1997 has it been that long a then 21 year old named Eldrick Tiger Woods ran away from the field at Augusta National capturing his first major by 12 out in 40 in his first nine ended up shooting 22 under over his next 63 holes to shoot a total of 18 under and the records I mean lowest second nine lowest middle 36 lowest final 54 lowest 72 that 270 to see that number at Augusta was something to behold since been broken by DJ 2020 20 under at the November Masters. someone who was there our own <laughs> Jaime Diaz Jaime I was in my first year at the Sacramento Bee I was covering preps and college sports what do you remember about that time it was a great it was a great week it was amazing uh, and I didn't think it was a big surprise and I don't think a lot of the players did either really I mean there was the 12 strokes was a surprise okay. but Tiger had already won three times now he hadn't won since January when when he won the Mercedes when he beat Tom Lehman in that sudden death playoff with that almost hole in one he'd already done amazing things and they'd all watched him and there were a few doubts about his short iron uh, control distance sure. control but prior to it, uh, Butch Harmon, he had a really good session, and Butch kind of got him in a nice slot where the swing was a little bit shortened and the club wasn't quite as shut as a result. 
and he just was full release. It mm. was beautiful to watch him drive it that week. The course was really firm. He drove, in those days, a little lower and just bullets that went forever. I think he averaged 323, and the next guy wasn't even at 300. Mm. So it was just a, you know, a masterpiece of talent but also a guy just ra rising, rising to the occasion. And he did start with that nervous 40 yeah. on the front nine, but he birdied 10, chipped it in on 12, and he was off. Yeah. Uh, and it was really uh, just rolling every day with better and better golf, really. It was, it was something that uh, everybody took notice of as, you know, new sheriff in town, basically. You mentioned those three PGA Tour wins, and you said you weren't surprised, but there were still some folks before mm -hmm. that major, you know, let's see what he does well, sure. in major. Some of the old school guys that kind was of reasonable. wanted to see, see if he could meet the hype. That was reasonable. I mean, okay. because it, it, that was the precedent. Nobody came out. I mean, even Jack, uh, you know, I think he won $33 his first event. You right. know? Uh, it, it's always a transition, but Tiger was so ready, and he wanted it so bad, and he thought about it his whole life. Uh, and, yeah, he had a couple of little hiccups with uh, Ed Fiore not beating him, although mm. he, had a, he had the lead, obviously, in the fourth round, yeah. so he'd already gotten there. He just had so much game. It was mm. clear he had superior, superior tools. Now, could he bring his mind to that uh, to make it great performance? Mm. And he, we'd seen him use his mind so beautifully at the U.S. Amateurs, so he was well-trained already. He was ready. I mean, it was not... Anything where, oh, he's 21, what a prodigy, look out. Now, yeah. it was more like, oh, this is a, the start of something that's going to continue for a long time. What about the sociological aspect of it? Because there had been African-American golfers mm -hmm. at Augusta National before, but, you know, most people would see black folks carrying bags and sure. maybe working in the clubhouse, not winning a major championship by 12. Oh, sociologically, it was such an important moment, mm. not just for golf, I think for the whole country. It was on yeah. the front page of the New York Times when yep. Tiger won. Yeah. And I remember the black employees at the clubhouse coming out and watching Tiger on the, from the veranda there. Mm. Uh, that, that was a, a really a striking image. Yeah. And then they all applauded when he came back into the clubhouse afterwards. Yeah. It really meant a lot to the community of Augusta, the black caddies that had caddied there before who weren't caddying any longer. Mm. It was just a moment to say, you know, gosh, uh, maybe things are changing. Yeah. Maybe we missed it a little bit, but it's going to be changing. And uh, whether that happened or not, uh, Tiger inspired so many people yeah. uh, of all of all races, of all uh, genders too. Yeah. I mean, women started watching sure. golf in a way that was like, oh man, a superstar has yeah. emerged. Beautiful moment, historic I, moment. I remember uh, at at the end of it, uh, we le I left the course with a couple of holes to go to try to get players as they were leaving, and I ran into Ben Crenshaw who's always kind of a sage, as you said yeah. earlier. And uh, just what it, you know, and it was quiet because it was just, there were no more applause. Uh, Tiger was just marching to victory. And he goes, it's so eerie. He goes, it, it feels like a passing. Uh, and he was talking about the passing of an era. Wow. The passing of, you know, an, an old age of golf to a newer age of golf. Mm. Uh, even though it was singular in Tiger, it definitely was the beginning of something that every player now on tour yeah. talks about. Saw Tiger in 97. That inspired me to be a golfer. Yeah. And the game was, was never the same again. It was never the same. Played differently. Mm -hmm. More people watching. An historic moment. Different guys being drawn to yeah. it. Greater athletes. All sorts of stuff happened. some ways, it feels like yesterday. It was 25 <laughs> that long ago, years yeah. ago. All right, folks. Much more to do on this Wednesday. Three-time major champ Jordan Spieth looking to get his groove back this week at the RBC Heritage after missing the cut for the first time at the Masters. What does Jordan need to do to get back on track. Coming up, Jennifer Cupcho, major champ, Augusta National Women's Amateur champ, 
making her way in the pro game, making her way to golf today in moments. And Harbor Town Golf Link, special place, the lighthouse, the bike rides, the vibe, it is all good. It plays host to the PGA Tour for the 54th time as a field, including five of the top 10 in the world, head to Hilton Head for the RBC Heritage. Jordan Spieth in the field this week was not the Masters to remember for Spieth. Last week failed to make the cut after shooting scores of 74 and 76 over the first two rounds. First time Jordan missed the cut at Augusta in nine starts. Take a look at those strokes game numbers through Pebble versus now, and you see the approach game actually getting better. But the putter has really cooled off 180th, not the magic wand that it has been in the past. And earlier today, Spieth chatted with our own Kira K. Dixon. Jordan Spieth teeing it up at the RBC Heritage just a few days removed from the Masters Tournament. Now, Jordan, I know that last week was not necessarily the week that you would have wanted, but how would you describe uh, the Masters for you overall? I hit it great. Um, I've been hitting the ball really well, just, and I feel like I put a lot of good strokes on it last week and caught a lot of lips, um, caught a couple untimely wind gusts. You know, it was playing pretty tough out there, and uh, I kind of maybe just tried to play a little bit too aggressive in a couple spots, and it really hurt, but um, I feel really good about the state of my game. Very, very disappointing to miss the cut at the Masters, given my history there. So um, I had a really hard time with that. But um, turn it into trying to work extra hard for this week. Use it as a, you know, I get a couple days off, try and look forward, not back. And um, this is a phenomenal golf course. And so I'm excited about, you know, trying to get right back in the thick of things here. Speaking about feeling good about the state of your game, you've been working on a lot of swing changes over the last year, year and a half. Where are you at with that process? Yeah, I, f I feel pretty good. And you know, I still have to kind of do a weird rehearsal, um, but it definitely sets me up in a better spot and it produces better shots. So, um, you know, I think it's still, you know, trying to get 1% better per day. And unfortunately, I needed a lot. Of, I need a lot of 1% to get right where I want to be. But um, in the process, I'm able to really drive the ball well, give myself a lot of chances. So just need a, a couple of those putts to go in early in a, in a tournament. And then, you know, I feel like mine can get about as hot as anybody's. So, I, I mean, the belief is there. It's just stay the course. Uh, you've had some great finishes here at the RBC Heritage. What does this test ask of you? Well, you got to really plot your way around. Um, I think uh, you got you got to hit the ball very accurately off the tee, and a lot of times that doesn't mean driver. Um, and then from there, it's really a lot about distance control into the green. So there's not a lot of rough, but um, actually there's no rough. But uh, into the greens, you still have to be incredibly um, precise with your distance control. And with forecasted winds, that becomes obviously a challenge the way it swirls down here. So it, it's nothing new at, at this tournament to get swirling winds and, and it, to play a little bit tricky. Um, but I really enjoy this layout. Uh, like I said, it forces you to really think your way through a golf course. And to me, that gets me a little more focused. Be joined by Paige McKenzie. Paige, he was telling to me that last week Jordan Spieth began the Masters talking about how disappointed he was that he only had one green jacket, then the end of the week, it being a short week, missing the cut on Friday. Your level of concern for the three-time major champ is what? I, I 
wouldn't say it's that high. I always feel like uh, giving the Jordan Spieth the benefit of the doubt is a good thing, considering what he's been able to accomplish not only in his career, but then also in his more recent resurgence and the changes that he's been able to make and adapt in his golf game. Uh, but I, but I am to some extent quite concerned about the putting. Uh, we heard from him after Valero where he said that was the worst I've ever putted in a professional event. And then he went into the Masters talking about how he didn't really feel like he played a lot of green surfaces um, that he typically performs well on. Now, Augusta National, we know, is a golf course that he's performed well on. Uh, so then to be able to, to walk away with a missed cut there is a little bit concerning. The one thing that's different between this year's putting performance and years past putting performances that haven't been as good. Uh, for example, in 2020, that was the shortened season. He was 105th in strokes gained putting, so it was not one of his good years. But his, his sweet spot, which is outside of 15 feet, was still strong. Right now, top to bottom, no matter what the distance is, you're not seeing Jordan Spieth convert. And that's the only thing that's concerning to me, that it's not necessarily a technique thing. Maybe there's a speed issue. So there's maybe a little more searching going on with his putting right now. But again, I don't want to signal any warning signs because Jordan Spieth has proven to us many times over that he's not gone and that he can overcome any of the obstacles in his golf game. He will fight. He will grind. <laughs> and he will also... <laughs> Tinker, and we've seen him, and he even talked about it there in that sound with Kira that he's working on this exaggerated move, this mm -hmm. pre-shot routine, acknowledging how awkward it looks. And you know, sometimes players have to kind of ingrain something so they exaggerate. I've talked mm -hmm. to Josh Gregory about Will Zalatoris taking the club on the putter outside because he takes it too much to the inside and exaggerating that move. Mm -hmm. You concerned about Jordan full swing or putter or, or not at all? Well, I'm concerned, sure, because uh, – it's, it's a long hole that, uh, I mean, a, a deep hole that he's got to come out of again. I think it was very admirable that mm. he did it last time uh, and won at Valero. That was the first win since the 2017 Open Championship. So yeah. this is a long dry spell. And I do think personally that the swing changes are worth it because I think what's held him back the most is just having to be such a great putter and short game artist to compete. It's just so hard to sustain. And he wants to play a more sustainable game, a more... Uh, Boring game in a way. Tee to green, less excitement. You know, don't have to make eight footers all day uh, to say par and and run the table putting. And so, yes, probably what's happened is he's so focused on his on his full swing yeah. that he's lost some putting. We've seen that a lot over the years. The most recent case is probably Ricky Fowler, one of the yeah. greatest putters on the PGA Tour, and he's way down. Uh, Jordan at, at 180th is way down. He was sixth last year. So I got to feel this is temporary. I, don't, I can't believe he's lost his putting touch. I think he's just lost his putting focus, and he's obsessed right now with that practice swing, which, again, if it makes him do what he wants to do, it's a builder. It's good. But it's a long process, yeah. and this is just, you know, again, another reminder that golf is so hard when you're off. You know, when you're, yeah. when you're rolling, it's beautiful. When you're in full flow, it's the greatest. But to get to those points, sometimes you got to really go to the depths. And I just hope that he arises from depths again like he did last year even better. Hmm. And it's, it's not easy to do as he gets older and life changes and all these things that are happening to him. Uh, but he's got so much heart and he's such a champion that just like Paige, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and think long term it's going to be okay. Paige, let me play devil's advocate for a moment. Do you lose the organic beauty that he had as a 21-year-old, though, hmm. when you are having to address these issues, when you have to keep digging yourself out of the hole as Jaime said, any concern that he becomes too mechanical, that he's, you know, focused so much on 
positions and exaggerating moves that he loses kind of that that innate genius that he brought to the PGA Tour. Oh, innocence is lost with experience. Scar tissue builds up over time. I think that it's a hard thing to capture and keep throughout your, your entire career is to be able to play with the freedom that you've never made a mistake before. Mm. Uh, I think it's part of the evolution of becoming a professional golfer is learning to manage that and to be able to, to, to harness it when you can. Uh, so... That's a, that's a tough question to answer. Uh, but I did want to touch on one of the things you said as, as it relates to life changing for Jordan Spieth. Uh, one of the things that I did find fascinating when he talked about his um, new son, Sammy, in the press conferences, he said that things are back to normal. It's pretty much, you know, everything's usual for him on the road uh, with his wife and Sammy. But then he also talked about how he's like, sometimes I just didn't know where I was because it was so early on in the childhood. And I think there is some life adjustment here. Like, I don't, I don't want to put too much weight on it, but I also want to acknowledge the fact that when you become a first-time parent, things change mm -hmm. and, and your sleep schedule changes and your juggling act changes. Um, so there's been a lot going on with Jordan Spieth off the golf course as well. And also maybe having to acknowledge that his best season might have already happened. And right. that, you know, when you win two majors five right. times in the FedEx Cup, mm -hmm. you know, maybe you'll win more majors, but maybe it won't be as dominant as that one year was. Yeah, I, I hope he doesn't acknowledge that. I just hope mm. he keeps pushing yeah. constant improvement and is just ready for a long haul again. Yeah. Uh, that's the hard thing. Mm. How much commitment are you willing? How much can you sacrifice, yeah. you know? And uh, how much are you willing to do what others won't do? And, yeah. I, you know, he wants it badly because... He, he wouldn't have got there if he didn't really want yeah. it badly. I don't believe that that's changed, but golf's hard. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. We'll see where that putting stroke is on those tiny greens at <laughs> Calabogie Sound yeah. this week. Well, from one major champ to another, Jennifer Cupcho rose to the occasion in a big way at the Chevron Championship. Wake Forest standout has made her mark in the game. A discussion coming your way after the break. on golf today. What a week it was for Jennifer Cupcho capturing her first major at the Chevron Championship a couple weeks back. 2019 winner of the Augusta National Women's Amateur shot the third round 64 and cruised to victory despite a final round 74. With the events moved to Texas next year became the final champ to leap into Poppy's Pond. What a moment it was. White bathrobe. What a moment for this player, Paige McKenzie. I'm curious your reaction. We haven't really talked about Jennifer since she got her first major championship. Your biggest takeaway was what? Uh, that she was able to perform in the moment. Uh, and, and I don't think this is maybe an unusual expectation given her history. I mean, you go back to 2017 NCAA championship. She triple bogeyed the 71st hole and ended up losing that event because of that stumble. But what did she do? She came back in 2018 and won it. Uh, she's got incredible heart, incredible grit on the golf course. Uh, we saw it also when you look back at the Solheim Cup, just as a Solheim Cup rookie, she was undefeated going into singles, went up against Leona McGuire, ultimately lost that singles match, but had a, a two one and one record in her first go out uh, at the Solheim Cup. This is a player that we've gotten a chance to get to know, and, and that is one of my biggest takeaways on, from her as a player, I mean, you could look at the technical analysis, and she's currently leading the LPGA in greens and regulation. She's always been a great driver of the ball, but I think the, the grit and the determination is what separates her from others that are also physically gifted.
Paige, to become the first winner ever of the Augusta National Women's Amateur, as she did in 2019, that's a huge, you know, ceiling, glass-shattering moment for a player. I think it was almost like she was identified that, as that for a couple of years. Do you think it took her some time kind of to get past being always identified as that, even when she turned professional? She's still actually maybe carrying mm. that title for some time. It was such a dramatic uh, event in the way that it ended and the way that it played out, how, how beautiful she played. And if you remember, she was the number one ranked player in the world uh, in the amateur rankings going into that event. So to play with that pressure, I think, again, speaks to, to her being able to rise up in those moments. Um, but she, she then succeeded in performing well in her first rookie season on the LPGA Tour. If you remember, she de deferred her LPGA Tour membership and had a very shortened season in order for her to even gain her LPGA Tour card back. And what did she do? She finished, I think it was runner-up at the Evian, another major championship. Uh, so she she had the pedigree and she had uh, the qualifications as a, a player that competed in high-level, big-time events before she ended up winning a major championship. But I think she's always going to end up carrying that Augusta National Women's Amateur title. Um, I think for you and I and everybody within the golf world, we'll place certainly the major championship above that. But she's known for uh, what was okay. a historic first Augusta National Women's Amateur. Yes, she is a big-time player. Great analysis from Paige McKenzie. And right now we're joined by the winner of the Chevron Championship. She is, of course, Jennifer Cupcho. Jennifer, it is great to spend some time with you. First of all, I have to ask, you know, we're in this era. We've seen players holding big 54-hole leads. Scotty Scheffler said that he was crying in the morning in his wife's arms saying the moment was too big. You had a six-shot lead through 54 holes out in the California desert. How was your Sunday morning? Um, I, I was very nervous. Um, I, and my, my husband actually was caddying for another girl and he had to go out earlier to the course. So I was left by myself for about an hour and a half. But even before he left, I like kept telling him, I said, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous. Like, this is crazy. Um, so yeah, I was really nervous. I couldn't sleep very well. Um, but it was, it was awesome. Jennifer, how much did you draw on your victory at the uh, Augusta National Women's Amateur in terms of preparing for that final round on Sunday at, uh, at Chevron? Honestly, not that much. I think Augusta, the Augusta National Women's Amateur was so different for me. I, I don't know why, but I was just really comfortable in that situation. Um, I had been winning a lot, so I was used to it. So um, to come out here, I haven't won. I hadn't won in a while. Um, so... Yeah, it was just a lot different feeling, and especially for a major. I want to ask you the same question I asked Paige McKenzie. I mean, to win the first ever Augusta National Women's Amateur is a huge deal. New York Times, I mean, we're talking about historic. In what ways did you almost have to kind of get past that of always being identified as the first to do that while you're trying to embark on a professional career? I think, honestly, like, that, having that in my past pushed me to really want to win out on the LPGA. I mean, my first three years out here, it's been, always been, oh, you're the Augusta National Women's Amateur Champion. And I'm just like, yeah, but like, have you seen what I've done as a professional? Um, so I think it really just pushed me to like want to win even worse um, than I already wanted to. Jennifer, you put it so beautifully, the Chevron, it isn't necessarily statistically the strength of your game. What happened that week that, that uh, flipped the putter into a, a wonderful strength? 
I think it's progressively gotten better this year. Um, I was working on it a lot in the off season with my husband and I mean, I know as well as the whole entire golf world has let me know that um, putting is not my strong suit. So um, yeah, that was one thing that I looked at all the stats um, from last year and I said, I really need to work on my putting. That's what's gonna get me over the edge. So um, I just really worked hard on it and it, the results are starting to pay off. Well, Jennifer, it's all upside for you. Congrats on your first major. Have a great week in Hawaii. We'll speak to you soon. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. All right. She is Jennifer Kupcha. Now, Kupcha was an Annika Award finalist in 2019. Here are some of the candidates for the 2022 Annika Award presented by Stiefel. The award given annually to the Player of the Year in women's golf. Some fantastic games. I mean, Rachel Heck, Rose Zhang, Emma Spitz. I mean, we're talking... We're talking quality, Jaime. <laughs> it's nothing. It's just like the men's game. It's just everything is progressing from younger people getting better faster. Absolutely. These young players, as we talked to Aaron Oberholzer just a little bit ago, uh, they're just coming from everywhere. Now the candidates for the 2022 Haskins Award, presented by Stiefel, given annually to the Player of the Year in men's golf. Pearson Cootie out in California this week at the Western Intercollegiate. Fred Biondi, Florida Gator. Cameron Sisk, I mean, we're seeing a lot of quality players. Sam Bennett, of course, on this watch list.